Hey everyone, welcome back to the Long Lost Heroes podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Frank, here with AJ. How you doing tonight? Very well, man. Very well. Um, I just wanted to take a quick shout out. I just didn't even mention this to you before we started recording. Uh, Game Brew Podcast, go check out their episode 120, their final edition. Um, they are moving on to other projects. They're going to be doing a... Uh, a Twitch stream every, I think, other Sunday. So, uh, but they have a whole backlog of episodes. But we we love those guys. So, uh, congratulations on your journey and what's next for you guys. Uh, but tonight, or today, or whenever you're listening to this, we are finally discussing Eternals, the newest entry into the MCU um, on the big screen. Uh, we both saw this a little bit late, uh, so sorry for the the delay. Uh, but if you have seen this movie, um, you'll probably know why we aren't super rushed to get there. I mean, it's, uh, it's an interesting one mm. and, and I don't think that the buzz around it or the reviews or the, the audience score or the Rotten Tomatoes, any of that did it any service. Um, it, which is kind of a bummer because normally these MCU movies are such tent poles and, uh, things you look forward to. Um, and so as we kept getting closer, it's like, oh, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, I mean, the trailers always looked kind of cool. I mean, the, the idea of them are interesting and it was kind of looked like it was going to be a pretty movie, but I guess it's kind of like, <laughs> it's pretty, but it doesn't have a lot going for it. Oh <laughs> uh, boy. Um, yeah, this is rough. Uh, you know, Frank and I really tried to make this podcast about the things that we love <laughs> and trying to talk about things that are great and we hold in such high esteem and Marvel and the MCU being one of those franchises. And, you know, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, it kind of turned out this way. I think this movie could have been saved a couple of different ways. Mm -hmm. um, but I think ultimately... What is hard about making a Marvel movie from a directorial auteur standpoint is that, you know, I think this movie hits a lot of beats that most Marvel movies tended to avoid for a long time. And I think that ultimately the decision to make this so slow uh, was not in the better interest of the film because while this movie is supposed to play out over thousands of years. It shouldn't feel like a thousand years. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and I would really be, you know, interested to see, um, you know, kind of more, more about what they were planning for the larger Eternals franchise. Um, I think we were very lucky that James Gunn was such a specific director who had a really unique vision for guardians of the galaxy to take, such a, you know, you know, maybe a D or an E level comic book series and make it, you know, running up there with your Iron Man's and Captain America's. For sure. Um, you know, I think Chloe Zhao is a fabulous director. I really loved Nomad Land. I don't know if this is entirely her fault. Um, I did like the look of this movie. Yeah. I don't think that's the problem. No, I don't think that's the problem either. And and yeah, you you're right. Like she's it's kind of unfortunate, right? Like, could this, I, I, will this impact her career? We don't know, but, um, like, Oh, it absolutely will. Like 
You, if you tank an like, MCU movie, you you kind of uh, that's not a good a good sign. Um, but I think the the quintessential you know MCU movie that was a flop but not a flop is the very first Ant Man. Like if you look at how much money this made the first weekend, like it didn't really do a super stellar. Um, it was coming after Age of Ultron. Uh, it had so much you know, behind the scene drama with with Edgar Wright, like totally, th- yeah. like that movie. You know, we should talk about it as the Marvel flop, uh, but it, but it really isn't. It kind of took a, a kind of a niche role. It played off of different genre tropes to make kind of a fun movie that allowed for kind of a you know reprieve after the seriousness and oddity that was Age of Ultron. For sure. Whereas. This movie, I think, is very serious, and I think that the jokes in this movie are, they're almost too in-universe, you know? I, it's I think pretty that, forced, yeah. You know, it's it, it's not like uh, we're watching the Avengers here. Like, these are all brand new characters to the franchise. There should have been a lot less Avengers talk in this movie in general. Yeah, like, sure. It, you know, I just don't think that it fit, like... I think it would have made more sense that like the team is learning about the Avengers, they're understanding the role that they play in society, like maybe they're all like non-active, you know, passive bodies kind of going through life and then this inciting incident happens with the deviants and then they snap into their, you know, superhero alter egos whereas I think the idea that they just exist and that they don't help or intercede like and they're just hanging around like it's it it just played out weird and it, it didn't. Yeah. Also, the nonlinear storytelling. The like nonlinear storytelling did not work here. Like sometimes that's a really cool effect in movies, but it's just way too all over the place. Um, and it would have been great to see a chronological experience through time of the Eternals and playing off of what's going on now, like. It, they it, to only incorporate it for about half the movie was a real disservice because it takes out the scale of how these characters are supposed to play out. Right. Like if they're supposed to be alive for 7,000 years, like the movie should take place in Egypt and in, and in Mesopotamia and in ancient Greece and in the dark right. ages. And, and like, ultimately the plots of, of the, uh, the before times, like, you know, that, that stuff should actually matter. Um, right. Cause it just didn't feel like it was just felt like we were watching them and we we're just kind of getting to know them. And, um, it almost would have maybe been more interesting if this movie purely took pa- place in the past. Right. Or, um, totally like they're going to have to do some period pieces now. Like, and I think that it's going to work to their advantage. We already loved it in WandaVision. Like they're going to do more of that going forward. Yeah. Um, fantastic four probably will have some serious, flashbacks like it's gonna be they have to be get good at it and i think that them shying away from it in favor of making a more modern storyline i don't know um all right you want to play the plot game (laughs) if we can (laughs) sure um so the eternals go to earth to stop the deviants they well p- p- pause 
We're about to spoil the movie. <laughs> sure. If you haven't seen yeah. the turtles yet and you're listening, go away. We're, we're about to spoil the movie. So they go to Earth to stop the deviants. Uh, they divide across the world and live their lives for thousands of years uh, to come back together in present day to fight the deviants again, or so they think when it's really the earth's destruction by the celestial that is inside the earth that they need to, well, that some of them want to stop and others don't. I got you big boy. <laughs> Group of ancient robot action figures <laughs> malfunctions <laughs> and destroys their creator. Uh, you know, sure. When it's revealed that they're robots, it doesn't make me happy, right? Like, and maybe I should have thought about that. Maybe I should have been like, oh, these guys are probably going to be robots. That's why there's a kid that's never aged. They're probably robots. But then when it's revealed that they're robots in the stupidest way ever. The, yeah. It just, uh, boy. Um... Yeah, this movie's overcomplicated. This movie should have been two hours tops. Like, it needs a half hour less of staring into the distance. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the problem. So, like, I think what happens is because we take, because we're going back and forth in in the linear, nonlinear storytelling, we uh, we have to, first we have to, (laughs) we simultaneously see them reassembling but are looking back as to why they disassembled only for once they do fully assemble to start disassembling again. It's just like, everyone's like, they're staring at each other. Like, where are you going? Wait, where are you going? Where are you going? (laughs) Everybody just stay where you are and we'll figure this out. (laughs) You know, it's, it's interesting to, to see, the leader dynamic play out. I think that's the only smart thing going for this movie was the internal group dynamics of a superhero team that thought one guy was the leader when another person is actually the leader. I would have watched a whole movie of that mm. because I think that that was a really interesting idea. That was probably the the one really smart idea of the entire movie. Um, but I think what's interesting about this film in that we spent, you know, well, you can't really compare this to the Avengers because each of those guys had an original movie that they started out with and moved forward. I think it's better to compare this to Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think if you look at the way Guardians was set up versus the way this movie is set up, I don't think that they would probably be too far off from the main character actors in the film. Mm. People who are have faces and are playing, you know, characters in the movie. Uh, but I think that they're just used totally differently. Well, um, the thing is, they, I'm sure that they specifically were like, this is not Guardians of the Galaxy. We can't make Guardians of the Galaxy. We have that. We want to do something different. And, I, and that's fine. If they wanted to do something more, uh, you know ancient and and um a little bit more royal like i i think you know obviously 
Inhumans was supposed to be a movie and then it became a, a TV show and that whole disaster. I feel like they should have learned from that. <laughs> but yeah. alas, here we are again. Um, yeah, it, it's just... I, I hear what you're saying, though. That I don't think it's the cast's fault. I think the cast is actually really cool. Um, I just think that... They're not given the the right algorithm to work with. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, it just seems like... Angelina Jolie's character should have been turned up a thousand percent. You know, like you're going to make her the most badass warrior. I can just see her kick some ass throughout time. Right. And space. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, I just don't feel like we really saw them operating as a team. Right. Well, well like, it's, a not little even, bit, it's not but... even about that. Like at a certain point, these are legendary characters that have interacted with humanity for thousands of years. So let them have that kind of epic scale. You know, like right. The, they're the supposed Greek to influence like mythology, yeah, <laughs> and like, all these let, stories. Like, let them be that big. Let let it be that epic. Like, you know, let her be be awesome. And I think that this movie is so caught up in trying to have serious dialogue that it forgets to like have engaging action. Like, there is action, but like none of it is ever at any kind of stakes or any kind of you know, understanding that, you know, something's something bad could go wrong. They're just beyond superpowered robots at that point. And the ending of this movie is atrocious. Like I, we, I can't talk about that right now, but you know, I think it's ambitious in its casting. And I think that they're doing a lot of things that I think make people feel very good. I, and I don't really think it's any of the cast fault. I think it all has to do with the execution of bringing another space bound <laughs> superhero team to the, to the big screen, you know? Right. Um, so it, while we're talking about the cast, I like, like we we're saying, we think that they're all really great. I think the, the idea of bringing um, a deaf superhero to screen um for the first time is really awesome. Having a gay superhero um, is awesome. Like they have a lot of diversity in, in, in like all, all that's fantastic. Oh, it's great. And, it's so all, like, I'm just trying to bring up all of that stuff. <laughs> it's like, right. this is doing something that other movies didn't, uh, you know, a Chinese director, like th that's all. But, you know, at a certain point, like if you're not, servicing your characters and, 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 and telling your plot with the characterization, you're going to have a problem. It has to move the story forward. Like, I think that Kumail's character, you know, Kinjo, like he, like his character, I seem to get to know a little bit of his personality, a little bit of what his, uh, you know, superpower is and like how he kind of exists in the current space. Like, you know, you're not given really any insight into uh, Brian Tyree Henry's, you know, day to day life or his execution of his powers. You see, you know, his, you know, you see his lifestyle with, you know, I think some of the other characters, you know, it, you know, Sprite, like we see this kid, like how does this kid function day to day? Like, is he in school? Does do, does she have to go to school? Like. Like what what's going on here, you know? Mm. So I think that <sighs> right because other people integrate into the culture. Like she, um, Cersei's a teacher, uh, and you have 
um, like some of them are are isolated, but you know, Kamel Kingo is is a movie star. So like, is uh, Sprite just there and just like this like weird kid that's hanging around all the adults all the time? Or what, you know, what's uh, you know. Um, Gilga, not Gilgamesh. Was yeah. that the other character? Like, what was his deal? Well, that that's the what's interesting because he he did go into hiding with with um, Thena because she had the madness and they, he had to protect her from destroying right. everybody. So, right, sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, okay, so basically, plot of this movie gets kicked off when the deviants um, start showing up and they they go to warn Salma Hayek's character Ajak only to find her dead. And and like at first I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, Salma, like Hayek, Salma Hayek. <laughs> she's awesome and reportedly signed a multi-picture deal and she dies at the beginning. I was like, okay, so maybe this is just like maybe she's not dead. Uh but as the movie goes on, we, we see her more in flashbacks and everything, uh, but she's very much dead. <laughs> to- totally dead. Uh, yeah, that was bizarre. Um, you know, I-, I didn't think that that was out of bounds. Like, I thought that that was kind of an interesting idea that, like, you're getting the team together over a funeral. Like, I kind of, I was sure. I was kind of on board with that. Sure, but, um, but what happens is it just takes too long to go and gather everybody. Yeah, and, and that part, the... You know, let's talk about the deviants a little bit. I think that the deviants, I, I, they just don't look anything like anything else in the MCU. Yeah, they really don't. They just feel half baked. They feel like something slapped together. This doesn't feel as thought out and careful as any of the other, really anything. Like even. Even the same sames, right? Like even like Warmonger or Winter Soldier or, uh, you know, what, these, what, what they are. Abomination. Like it's like these guys they're, are. They're the Shatari. They're just faceless, nameless, or the um the the other ones from um, Guardians. The. And then the, once the twist kind of hits, and like the twist is kind of big, so. I, yeah. I think, you know, so, so that's where I was getting with, with Cersei becoming the one to lead the team. Right. And so yeah. she's like, she's got this like Orby thing that goes into her body and she speaks to gigantic Ar- Arishem, I think celestial. He's a celestial. Correct. Um, and eventually like he gives her the full download, which this exposition, like, so I wouldn't even necessarily call this the twist. No, I mean there. I guess it's a double twist. <laughs> double twist. <laughs> double twist. A twist. A twi- uh, twist again. <laughs> um. So because basically he tells her that the mission of the Eternals is to help advance humanity or or whatever life on whatever planet they are pointed to to grow to a certain uh point to basically be a battery to <laughs> for a, a celestial being that is planted within the earth or within the planet and at a certain point what do they call the thing the emergence sure just a very dumb name 
of stupid the, ass name of, of this celestial that is going to explode out of the planet, killing everything on it. And the Eternals would be uh, none the wiser. They would get their mind wipey wipey uh, and move on to their next mission to do this again for the Celestials to, you know, and I get it. Like, this is a whole another scale of things, but I, it's just like the way he tells her, it's so boring. It's just, it, yeah, it has no energy to it. It doesn't move the plot forward in, in any other way than just to reveal the twist. You know, I, I, I don't know. I feel like this movie lacked the uh, hybrid genre factor mm. that Marvel was sticking to, whereas Ant-Man is a superhero heist movie. Right. Guardians of the Galaxy is a superhero space opera. Um, Captain Marvel is a 90s action movie, superhero movie. Like, it, when you work off of another genre to bring in kind of the tropiness of it, and maybe this is going for high-end drama. You know, maybe this is the first Marvel, you know, cinematic drama superhero movie. You know, if you're going to do that, go all in. Yeah. You know, and have, you know, Richard Madden, you know, I got to say, I was really excited to see this dude kind of have a new role in uh, a, a major blockbuster movie. Yeah. I really liked too. Rob Stark as a character when we were watching Game of Thrones. I thought, you know, obviously, you know, even just his characterization is very noble, but he played it very well. And, and I always kind of uh, he was one of my favorite characters. And I was very excited for him to, do, to join this movie. Yeah, because he's basically Superman. And he's basically Superman. And so to see Superman and, and be, uh, be like or this character that looks like Superman, acts like Superman in all the trailers and everything. Uh, we're like, oh, we love Superman. <laughs> yeah, and we love show what, me some Superman, and we love what he stands for. We want to see more of that, and we think that he could carry that because he's kind of a carbon copy of Henry Cavill in a way. Um, he could definitely do the stunts. <laughs> um, so, but here's where I, I think, to me, is a twist because I didn't see this coming that Icarus was a bad guy. Well. It's not that he's a bad guy. It's that he's not an exciting bad guy. Right. And I think that what could have really made this really awesome is if you have him going all, uh, what's that very popular DC fighting game? Um, uh, injustice? In, if you have him go full Injustice, you know, where he's totally uncontrollable, like you can't beat that, right? Have him you know, go you have start crypt, destroying have, cities or something, right? Like have him. If you have kryptonite, sure, but like if you don't have kryptonite, you're pretty fucked. Like yeah. And I think having him kind of serve as this kind of just you know just sad Terminator like was a little bit of a bummer and yeah. and, and really could have been something really daring for them to do with this movie to like, and have it play off of him, have it be wearing on him, you know, have us catch up to him. And he's, you know, yeah, he puts on a good front, but really he's fucking miserable. Well, and he's having a hard fucking time. Yeah. And, and that's what his it is. Fucking girl. Like, like it should be more pronounced. And I think that it's so muted 
to fit into the, you know, because it's such a big, a, a big cast, like you can't just give him all that screen time, you know? And I think if right. you had, you would have let on the, the audience earlier on that he's going to turn bad. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's the other problem, right? We have like a love triangle thing going on with him and Cersei and, and Dane. And we have like, this, but that's underdeveloped even in itself. Oh my god, like, we'll get to that. But but the fact that like he he shows up out of nowhere and like he does seem kind of like there's this mystery reason why he left and everything. And so there, I, I guess they could have just really leaned into it to, or or like you said, let the audience in on it um, earlier on, and we could see him manipulating him, manipulating see, the team. See or him something. descend. You know, like yeah. let's. We want to watch a captivating bad guy in a Marvel movie. We're always looking for something that is pushing the limit of what the, the Marvel people have done for their villains or or even for their anti-heroes. Like, well, and that's the problem. There's too many bad guys with not one singular one being bad enough. You could say Arishem the Celestial is the bad guy. You could say Icarus is the bad guy. The Deviants themselves. And there's this Deviant. We haven't even talked about him. Like... Uh, you know, Omega Deviant, whatever his name is. <laughs> sure, but like, he's not even like who voices him. Who's I don't his know. Voice? I don't know. Right? Who gives a fuck? Like, but like he's... he, you think that he's gonna be this? Like he's gaining all this, this power throughout the movie, and I'm like, oh, he, he's gonna kill Angelina Jolie's character, and he, he's gonna look more human, and we're gonna recognize him or something, and it, it never pays off. It's just like. It's, this it's should have felt lazy. more wash. This should have done more Watchmen stuff, where like we have flashbacks in the POV of the character that we're looking at. Like, show me OG Athena, show me OG Gilgamesh. Like, let's flashback to them throughout time from their point of view and look back at their lives, so we understand why they're important at the end. You know, it just the assembling and disassembling of it all. I think you do have a point, but Bill the... Skarsgård. Yeah, he's he's it, right? Okay, he's, fine. He's the guy. Okay, fine. He's the guy they got. He does the voices. I do the voices. Bill Skarsgård. All right. Um. Okay. Can we talk about the fucking ending of this movie? We got we're doing good. We're, we're doing, doing good, good on time. We can we can talk about the ending fine. Yes. All right. Listen. I I would say starting around the ending of Winter Soldier that once you got to the third fourth act of a Marvel movie and you've watched the first couple of th- you've watched the first hour and a half, hour forty five, maybe two hours even. You know at the half hour mark, you know at that you know at this mark where it's gonna go, right? And the whole trick of making an interesting Marvel movie is how you're either gonna play off of the tropiness of it, or how you're gonna subvert the expectations, or how you're gonna show something you know that they've never something we've never seen before yeah like infinity war yeah you can kind of see where things are going thanos totally. is getting all the stones but you don't want him to get all the stones but he does exactly yeah. look at uh 
look at Ragnarok, right? Like, mm-hmm. once you've kind of hit the fact that, like, they're going to team up and get off the planet, like, it's not it's not too far off to understand that, oh, we're going to have a big fight on... Uh, uh, Asgard. Asgard, you know, we, we we know what we know what to expect, okay? And you've seen the trailers at, at certain points, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? But even they're gonna Guardi- fight ego, right? You know right. that like there's gonna be sure. a big thing they're gonna fight. Even this movie, you're once they tell you that there's a, a celestial that's gonna try to burst out of the Earth. Well, for one thing. We know they're not going to have that happen. <laughs> the right. Earth is not going to explode unless they really wanted to dig into the multiverse, which they. So, so number one, no stakes. No stakes. No stakes. Like, literally, it, it means nothing. Like, right. oh, the world is threatened. There's eight Marvel movies we know about coming <laughs> in the next year and a <laughs> yeah. half. Like, they're not going to explode the Earth. No, the, we're, we're, the Earth will continue to spin on. Try again, Mr. Feige. <laughs> you know, like. Then, but it's also doing it in an interesting and exciting way, right? Like, if we're gonna have these um, big fucking aircraft characters, f- aircraft carriers fly- falling out of the sky, you know, and that's gonna happen, and the whole world is gonna see that because they can't not see that. We're also gonna have Black Widow dumping all of this data, which actually has major implications throughout the MCU, you know, for the real ending cap of this movie, like. They made it interesting, and they involved all the characters. They moved them forward. They set up them on new journeys. Like it's very, it, it's very insightful. Whereas I think this movie may be the single worst ending of any Marvel movie, because this is something that any generic superhero movie could have. Right. It has no intrinsic value other than the idea that there's a celestial going to be you know that's mountains on planet earth now like it has nothing other than that but really i i don't know man like i I just feel really let down by this ending the idea that they're going to connect together and make some kind of superpower that is able then to shut down the celestial emergence like fucking bullshit all right. Even the Avengers is smarter than this. Like, you know, where, okay, yeah. we have a nuke. We have to blow the nuke up. We send the nuke through. It blows up the bad guys. He falls down through. Oh my God, did we lose Tony? No, we didn't. Okay, cool. We got Loki. Like, it just, it evolves and it has stakes at every level of it. Like, once it's revealed that they have to join minds to create the Unimind. Like, I could have walked home even there. I couldn't because I had to stay to figure out the fucking post-credit shit. <laughs> but, like, ultimately, like, this ending is, is so weak. It's it's really weak. I mean, it's I, I think it is cool that all the characters have their own, like, unique ability. Um, fine. Expected. Uh, expected. Par right, for the course. Right. And, and so, of course, the leader becomes the one that needs to uh, to be able to stop them. And so everyone thinks it's going to be Icarus and you find out he's the really, you know, the one that's wants this thing to happen. So Cersei's the one to actually need to stop it. But I don't know. Could they have come up with something more interesting? Couldn't they have like, I don't, I, there's just, it was just, yeah, 
There's they nothing. They have to. There's more. There's more to meets the eye than this ending, and and I think that. Uh, Maybe they should they should be learning from this that the, they have to figure out that if they're going to start these new franchises, that the endings of these movies matter. And it's not just about all the character building that you're doing throughout the movie. Like it has to have some kind of stakes anymore. Come on. After Endgame, like shit got super fucking real. Like we I, I don't know if I can go back to this fake world emergency you know what i mean like it right. just like, doesn't if if there's going to be a, a, a and the thing is if if these eternals are and cersei in particular is the one that cares so much about the humanity they're so divorced from like any people the majority of the movie they're just like in a uh, you know on a beach they're in in a spaceship they're like they yeah, they go to the like the Amazon rainforest and they see some people, but it just never felt like it was And they're really... not going to call an Avenger after referencing them the whole fucking movie like they're not or or the Avengers don't see that there's a fucking new islands coming well, out of the fucking I mean, ocean. That's that's always a problem with the MCU with the inter- interconnected universes. You always have to explain away why why Doctor Strange wasn't doing his thing, right? If he's protecting the world, the earth from like otherworldly things, you'd think he'd recognize a fucking gigantic celestial coming out of the, I don't know, Pacific Ocean or whatever, right? Like, exactly. So that's, it is what it is, but that's just a consequence of all these movies. Um, so, but I mean, do they need them? No, they don't need any other help because the threat isn't even that big. Um, I think it would have been more interesting if, if they could have brokered a deal with the the celestial, if they could have somehow got the the other celestial out of the earth without destroying it, or if they could have, you know, or or if they destroyed it and it it meant all of a sudden now and maybe this will come, we don't know. Now there are mutants on Earth. There's some impact that's gonna you know that they tell us like, well, if you don't do this, this is gonna change humanity forever down the line. All we know is that, well, this celestial isn't going to be able to go build another planet and more life in the universe. Wah. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Um, okay. So moving on because there's not much else to say. Uh, mm. our new segment is, <laughs> is this a movie? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, unfortunately not. This is not a movie. Not a movie because it's it it doesn't it couldn't it this couldn't even have been like, oh, this would be a great show. Like there's not enough No, unfortunately for Marvel, there are too many superhero teams. So it is un it's unfortunate that they've had to go with all of these other you know, B and C level teams as opposed to their main A level team, the X Men, which we know is coming. Well, so yeah. I think that introducing a new space team is detrimental to the brand. They they wanted to do this within humans. You know, ultimately they saw that wasn't going to work, so they tried it as a TV show. That ultimately didn't work. Um, so, I think it's hard. So uh, this movie was probably in in the works 
long before the Fox deal, right? So way before, yes. Whatever, whatever it is, they need to now go to their A list talent creatively and just just go with it. Get the Fantastic Four out there. Get the X Men out there. There's a reason why they sold so many fucking comic books in the '60s. These characters resonate, and they have material to pull back from to right. make it good. Like, like what? Who do what? What <laughs> Turtles comic book run is like? Man, that's <laughs> that's so quintessential Marvel, yeah. right? So no, it, and I don't think this is going to get a sequel. I think we may see some of these characters again in the future. Um, I mean, and then then you have Icarus, right? So he, right, he leaves, but he's well, he can be like a Guardians of the Galaxy guy. No, he's dead. Didn't he leave? He flew into the sun. Oh, he flew into the sun because Icarus fl- flies too close to the sun. That's the whole mythology thing. Well, I hate that even more now. Yeah, no, he's he's done. Um, All right, well, which, way to waste an awesome character. Way to waste, yeah, way to waste him. Um, Salma Hayek. We don't know. I, I guess the okay. Here's a question: mm. when he, when the Celestial was explaining all the the Eternals and all the robots that are thrown apart around the universe, is it? This particular copy of robots, like, is it like um, my my example is Battlestar Galactica, where there are eight Cylon models? Like, are these the models, and they there's copies of them out out there, or is it every single Eternal is a unique being? Unique being, unique being. So it's not like okay, our Icarus flew into the sun. There'll be another Icarus from a another galaxy that maybe we'll catch up with. Not no, that. I don't- I don't think it'll be like that now. Okay. So, yeah. So, basically, we don't have him. We don't have Salma Hayek, Ajak. We don't have Gilgamesh. Um, and then the the movie ends with the team splitting up again. Uh, I Also, Kingo is, like, absent from the final fight because he just doesn't feel like it. Um, but but after the, the battle, everyone's buddy-buddy with him again. So... Super weird. So... Sprite becomes human. She goes to hang out with Kingo. Yep. Um, Cersei's going to do her thing and, and, you know, be with Jon Snow. Um, <laughs> and uh, what's his... Uh, uh, what's the character? Brian Tyree Henry. He's on Earth, too, with his family, right? Yeah. And then the characters that we barely have talked about at all. <laughs> um, Angelina Jodley, Athena, uh, what is his name? Druig and uh, Makari, the, the, the flash basically well, I, I just all kept go calling... into space, right? Yes. Well, I just kept calling um, who's Druig fade Rautha because he's supposed to play an intricate character in Dune <laughs> in the sequel. Is he now? Uh, yes. And I think that would be very awesome. I hope he is Fade Rautha. Uh, so it was every time he came on screen, I'm like, ah, Fade Rautha. <laughs> so, I mean, I thought that this guy was going to be a bad guy. And he arguably has some, like... Bad guy moments. Bad guy no. moments. And, you know, mind control is a huge thing. But, you know, he's no Professor X. Uh, 
<laughs> so anyway, they they split Certainly up. Certainly not. Some of them go to space. Some of them go, stay on Earth. Um, it's it. Yeah, and then the movie ends. Right, like this isn't the post credit scene, is it? No, it is the post credit scene. It's the first one. The per- okay. The, so the first post credit scene, what happens? The celestial shows up, grabs uh, the three remaining Eternals on Earth. No, this. They, you're right. This is the ending of the movie. The ending of the movie. Grabs them on Earth, t- says something to them, and that you know you stop. What uh, Tiamat to for his arrival, and now like what would he, what would he even say? There's some judgment. Yes. And so they and they disappear. Indeed. Okay. <laughs> That's the end of the movie. And, and then the mid credit scene. I'm now I'm reading Wikipedia because it's hard to fucking remember. Uh, is where things actually get interesting. <laughs> Um, so the, they're visited by Pip the Troll, who I was very excited about. Uh, yes. Voiced by Patton Oswalt, who is once again in the MCU multiple times. And Eros, Star Fox, played by Harry Styles. Yes. And says that he's Thanos' brother and he's an Eternal and... They have to go find the the other friends, and all I right, I don't know what that Fine. means. Fine. Um, the The interesting thing is that like Eros and Pip the Troll and upcoming in Guardians of the Galaxy three, Adam Warlock, all are really crucial to the Infinity storyline with the Infinity Stone. So I don't know what they're going to do with these characters. Um, right. It it almost seems like they'll be wasted, but we'll see. Um, they're kind of a, an interesting, uh, group of Avengers there, or we'll never see it because they won't make, uh, Eternals too. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, I think that they want to do different stuff. You know, I remember seeing a documentary about Pink Floyd after Sid Barrett had died and they were like really getting into soundscapes Somebody said they went palatial. And I think that's like, or they went glacial. And I think that's very, an interesting idea of what Marvel's going to be doing. I think Marvel's going to start a lot of different paths that it can take. Doesn't mean that every path is going to be followed. But I think that slowly but surely they're going to be charting new, slightly new roads where things could happen, things can't happen. And I think that's really the main thing with Kit Harrington's character and the final post credit scene, mm-hmm. which is that I think Kit Harrington is a very uh, a very good actor. I'm very excited that he didn't die in this movie. Um, yeah. But I think that they want to do some cool stuff with him. And I think the cameo uh, is, you know, it's very, it's exciting. You know, very I think, exciting. I think people who are fans of uh, Blade are going to be very happy to know that it's Mahershal Ali's voice who is, you know, heard at the end post-credit scene of Eternals and his movie is coming soon. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that this is what they're setting up next. I mean, it's not like we're setting up the infinity gauntlet or even the first Avengers. Um, I think that, 
you know, they have to start laying ground for something that'll work. And whether or not they have an idea, I don't know. But I think that they have to start seeding some traps. Yeah. And and I'm kind of excited about uh, Kit Harrington. I mean, A, the actor for one, but that he's going to be Black Knight, um, who's an Avenger. So, and he's an Avenger that has this sword that has, I guess, I would say it's more connected to like magic and, and that side of the thing instead of like, you know, so if we're talking more, if that's an interesting direction for the Avengers movies to go into the future, instead of just like these, you know, cosmic level threats, more like things in the Dr. Strange realm. Like I think he would be a, a good character to kind of fit in there. Um, and especially with, with blade, right? Like that's another. Definitely. So it makes sense that that's tied together. So we watched a two and a half hour movie to see very interesting post credit scenes. Um, I don't know it. I I can't even rate this movie. We're not going to rate it. We never rate, but it's just, it's disappointing. It's disappointing. Yeah. It's not even that I had high expectations. It's just no. it's MCU and my expectations are always high. <laughs> no, you know, it was important for Marvel to have its first flop. It's interesting that it flopped in this way. I don't know that even if with its floppiness that it even is considered really a flop. And I'm curious to see what they do next. You know, they had they've had a good run. A long, long run. They have. Shang, you know, Shang-Chi could have been a flop, but it really wasn't. It was very good. Right. And 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 Black Widow um while there's like behind the scenes drama and stuff with it, I think still a good movie. Still a good movie and it still did okay. Um, and you know, signs no. are pointing to Spider Man and and the sequels of all these other characters that we know coming out next year should all be fine. But, you know, when you start with a new character or a new set of characters, you're running a risk. And I completely agree. And I think out. Yep. I'm curious to see what they do next. No more teams, Marvel. Sorry, you're done. Uh, this has been very fun. I'm AJ. I'm Frank. And, and this is the Long Lost Heroes podcast. Uh, yep. Thank you for tuning in. Um, please uh, check us out at www.longlostheroes.net, at LLH podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can send us an email, info at longlostheroes.net. Uh, you know, we're around, we're available on all the major streaming podcast apps, whether that's Apple, Stitcher, Google, you name it, we're there. Uh, hope to talk to you guys soon. We'll see. Ghostbusters. Ba- babies are coming. <laughs> babies are coming. Babies are coming. Anyway, thanks so much, everyone. And uh, if, if we don't see Spider-Man, we'll be with you in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> have, a, have a good week or a day or whatever you're having. Thanks. Bye. Bye.